0: you're listening to the plus music podcast with brian and nick where we sit down with artists founders video game music composers and discuss early ideas challenging hurdles and how the ever-changing music industry will evolve in the digital age today we're sitting down with film tv and video game composer paul leonard morgan paul joins us from his studio and chats with us about being a bafta award-winning emmy-nominated composer and producer mostly for his cinematic style that fuses orchestra with electronica. He talks more about his experiences from jumping into the composer profession, all the way to composing for Universal Studios' highest grossing film Despicable Me 2, as well as other feature films like Limitless and Dread, to name a few. He talks to us about his composing the scores for such video games as EA Games' flagship titles Battlefield Hardline, as well as Warhammer Dawn of War 3. And his upcoming project, Dynasty, where he collaborates with the great Philip Glass. Here's more from Paul now. Thank you for having me because it's like uh, this is um... your life. Uh, yes, d- exactly. Uh, this is what you've been up to in the last five thousand years. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Previous guests usually take that recording with them, and when they meet new people, they just hit play. <laughs> <laughs> Next time so, I go so, out with my mates, it back. <laughs> uh, Good. So, Paul, exactly. uh, it, you
1: know. Let's go back a little bit. Like, how does one get into composition and be doing that? How, how, where'd you get did you starting bands? Like, where'd you start in music?
2: <laughs> Still trying to work that one out. Um, yeah, I studied at the, well, they call it the Conservatoire now in, in Scotland, in Glasgow, uh, was then the Royal Scotch Academy of Music and Drama. Um, and I studied film music except i didn't because the teacher fucked off to hollywood after a term so basically i sat there for three years and was learning i had a wonderful other teacher there who taught me about orchestration all that kind of stuff but glasgow is this really buzzing music scene um so there was one studio in glasgow and in my last year at the academy I started working with bands there. And they were just like, oh, there's that classical dude. He can do some string arrangements for our bands. So it's bands like Bell and Sebastian and Mogwai and the guys from Snow Patrol and all that kind nice. of stuff. So it, was like, it, was, it, was, it always sounds like a name drop, but it really wasn't. It was just like we all just hung out in the same bar together. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like there's one bar next to the studio and if someone needed strings, they'd give me a shout. There's a producer there called Tony Dugan, who's still a really good mate in Glasgow, and he produces everybody. So, yeah, so I started working with the bands, and then I think I did a couple of short films. And then someone said, Oh, that's quite good. Come and score this thing. And I got BAFTA for that. And then someone said, Come and score this thing. And I don't know, there was this nice synergy between bands and films, and films and bands, where, you know, everyone likes the cinematic style, and the bands like the cinematic, and the films like the fact that you work with bands. And I don't know, I've never intentionally set out to do a certain style i just like hanging out with musicians really
0: mm-hmm. um, yeah
1: but
2: you painting. you also didn't have to do
1: the, the the band grind the getting in the van and the the sleeping on <laughs> you know floors
2: I, I remember going on tour for 10 days because i always wanted to go away on tour and never had the time but like even then it was like i don't know the, the, the time is this thing that i just never seem to have enough of so it's like so this band that i was working with a band called astrid and they said well look you just split up with your girlfriend of like seven years or whatever why don't you come on tour with us for 10 days? After 10 days of staying in shitty tour buses and awful hotels, and just like, <laughs> I'm kind of fine behind the console. You guys go off, you go and tour.
0: That's the way but I, right
2: I, there. I, yeah, t- 10 days of that for the liver and the stomach, eating awful things was just, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah, n- so enough that, for that you. That was kind of my awakening of realizing that it's good to be in a studio. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely.
1: I mean, you found. It sounds like you found the right spot, and then so you you kept going down that road of things just kept falling in your lap. It sounds like, and you just kept pushing pushing forward. Did you? Yeah, when did I mean, you make the move to to the states?
2: Well, so I was over in the U.S. Uh, producing a band. This was about ten, got eleven years ago, um, and then I got a phone call saying, "Hey, do you want to um, pitch for a film?" I was like. Sure. Don't know what I'm doing, Uh, but I will happily pitch it. What do I do? Um, And that was Limitless. So I got it. Um, But I think previously I'd done the US Olympic anthem. So there's some people that heard of me anyway. And then they were like, oh, yeah, that's the dude that did blah and blah and blah. So, you know, it always... Mm-hmm. It's yeah. kind of, you, know, you have all these things no one over here has heard of BAFTAs whereas in the UK they're quite big so it's like okay he's got a BAFTA yeah I'm sure that's fine but what the hell is that anyway so but yeah so I did I did a pitch for this film Limitless director liked it Neil Berger wonderful guy um got the film and it went to number one so from there it just kind of it always helps jokes aside you know if you have something that people have heard
0: of but even but, I mean just that's entertainment. stepping back a second you say You pitched it and you got the gig, but there had to be this moment of, okay, I'm going to throw this out there. I'm pitching it. But then you get the call that you actually got the gig. Uh There had to be a celebration in that. That's, (laughs) I mean, that cast, that director, you know that now you're going to be a part of something that's going to reach a massive audience. That's got to be pretty. You see, you read into it way more than I do. I do. I do. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
2: I mean, I'd done a lot of films in the UK. I'd done a lot of TV in the UK. I hadn't done anything over here. But it wasn't an intentional thing of, I'm going to go to America and make it. It was a case of I was overproducing a band. And so it's like, yay, it was great. But I'd literally just got off the plane back to the UK for Christmas when I got the call saying, hey, you know, we like it. And I I think I had three weeks to do the entire film. But you're right in the sense that I was in my studio in Glasgow. You've got Robert De Niro and Bradley Cooper looking down at you from a screen. And there's a little old me from Glasgow kind of going like, this is quite cool but i remember when i got the call from the music supervisor because my wife always tells the story of i was in the uh the lounge what do you guys call it over here the living room the den whatever um and it was snowing in glasgow it's fucking cold it always is um and she had been out with a couple of mates uh for dinner and i got the call while she was out and i remember getting the call i was just sat there a bit shell-shocked and as soon as she got back i ran out of the house i was out in the snow going i got a got the gig, got the gig, got the gig. Yes. Apparently yes. I, I didn't have any shoes on. So all socks or anything, because I've been in the lounge. So, I was like, oh, fuck, it's cold. I need to get back. <laughs> so, But I mean, jokes aside, I don't look at it from a point of view. And I, to be honest, I never have of, oh, this is something that millions of people are going to see, or this is something that, because you never have any idea mm-hmm. how film's going to go, how TV is going to go, how theatre's going to go, how games are going to go, anything. So I think you get projects that excite you because you've got to be excited about it if you're gonna spend that many months locked up in a a room. And it's gotta be a project that you think you can bring something to it. And and I think that's why that pitch was quite fun because I just did three tracks. I didn't do anything to picture. I just kind of said, well, look, I've read the script. I was working with No Doubt at the time. I was doing some drum programming for it. So I had these cool sounds up there on these analog synths from the eighties. And I kind of said, well, look, these are the kind of tracks that I think might be suitable you know he's on drugs ding this would be this kind of thing this so I think that's what they reacted to rather than mm-hmm. this is perfect school to picture it was like yeah these tracks are cool yeah um,
1: I don't yeah, know just... out,
2: I think so mm-hmm.
1: yeah I mean there's an element of like in your, your composing you got to like where I'm sure you have to think like what what's the target here are we trying to hit modern are we trying to hit something in the past something in the future like it's all it's all yeah, that different you- thing
2: yeah, you have those chats at the beginning with a director and you know, she's saying one thing or he's saying one thing, and you kind of go, Well, okay, first of all, what kind of film is it? You know, yeah. in it because jokes aside, yeah, I'm, I might be going like this is a really dark comedy. And it's like, it's not funny at all. What the hell are you doing? Oh, glad we got that. This is dark. <laughs> so it's yeah. Um, but Jenny, but, you know, I'm not that good at reading scripts, so I react to visuals really well, whereas I don't react to scripts very well. It's helpful to get an idea. So, yeah, so you have a chat with them, and then it's like, well, okay, well, who's your target audience? You know, is it 15 to 30 year olds? Is it 30 to 60 year olds? What you know, what what kind of movie are we trying to make here? But then first and foremost, it's a case of i just bugger off for kind of two, three weeks and just see if see where my thinking takes me and yeah, you play around with lots of instruments and lots of sounds and start trying things. Yeah. It comes pretty quickly. Either this sounds working or this sound isn't working. Um, and yeah, play around. How do you, how did you, so like, you know,
1: as a musician, as an artist, there's always, there's always a starting place from like an influence perspective, right. Was, are you influenced by bands, artists, other composers, where do you pull, where do you pull from most?
2: All of the above. And I don't get enough time to listen to music like I used to. Um, jokes aside, you had know, like 15, 15, 20 years ago, when again I was working in the studio at Savaths Place in Glasgow, or working, had a I rented out a room at the back. But all the bands that you would speak to at that stage would be going off on tour. So they would say, Hey, we met this band who were supporting artists for such and such and that's how you would find out about the next big thing
1: yeah
2: they would give you their cd or whatever and be like oh yeah this is wicked whereas now there's just so much music you're permanently Mm -hmm. engrossed in it and it's really hard to kind of just take a step back so it's almost the opposite I get out the studio I don't want to listen to music for a while I just need to actually hear I go running quite a lot in the mornings and stuff and it's about trying to clear my head a bit but when you start a project then it's a case of what are you doing? You can either listen to temp music or you can just go off and immerse yourself. And what's been quite good recently is quite a lot of the directors have said, oh, I I like that as a starting point, you know, and it's my scores. So then it's like, okay, well, that's good. But it doesn't mean that it has to sound like that. But I see where your sensibilities are coming from. So now (laughs) we know that we can fall back on that if you want. But it's quite boring if you're always doing the same thing. So give me 3 weeks let me go and do my thing you know, let's get going and and then after that as a case of yeah, that's the exciting and also incredibly nerve-wracking part which is where mm-hmm. you you're playing them the first paper and go like so what do you think okay, it's mm-hmm. great <laughs> it's yeah terrifying yeah. some people love it i hate it um mm-hmm. that, the blank the blank page syndrome where you sit there to begin with going like there's nothing on this page what am i going to do
0: where do we start yeah so gosh i find it i'm curious to know you've done giant movies and giant games if we are to shift for a second to your thinking and just the process in between you know what kind of job do you got to do to get into a video game composition as opposed to clear your head for a movie is it a similar process or also related
1: also related to that i'm curious about what's the difference between the way you approach a game and the way you're going to approach? Cause games are super, there's a lot more music there. There's a lot more dynamic stuff that's going to happen based on the narrative that's not on rails, like a movie. Right. So do you, I different- love
2: it. I love that you notice this generally. Cause a lot of people just go, Oh, it's music. It's all the same. Um, <laughs> games is completely different to film. Um, I say film, film, TV, you know, uh, because film and TV, you're scoring to a specific thing. So it's like, well, here's the sequence. Person's running, person pulls out a gun, person does whatever. You're scoring to what we call hit points. You know, there's a specific bits of action that you're going to. You can speed up, suddenly pause, whatever. You go to games, you're totally reliant on the game engine. So different studios use different game engines, different people use different things, but there's different ways of doing it. So you might just have a stereo track so it's just one track and it's on loop the whole time but it's going to be really flipping boring so then the next stage of that is right doing different tracks but you've got trigger points so as soon as say you go into a build you have one track going and then you suddenly go into a building the most the most basic way would be then okay now we move on to a different track which has got to be the same key you know or the same bpm or something like that but let's give it a bit more energy but then the really intricate way of doing it which is really fun, but it takes fucking ages. Is working with stems. So it's like layers. So you've got yeah. the tension layer, and then the beats suddenly kick in when there's a trigger point. Suddenly there's someone coming. Now, and now you turn left. Okay, now fades down, and this other layer comes up. But it's really hard because you've only got a three minute track to do it in because there's only so much memory in the game. So it's,
0: yeah.
1: yeah. So really, yeah. And those are all interesting. So <laughs> I want to dig in there on the game stuff because look, Love movies, love film. Entertainment now You're saying is that going, because you're about to say, but I really don't give a shit about them because I'm a
2: gamer.
0: <laughs> that's, not, that's not true.
1: I would say I would say that I watch more movies than I do play video games. But I also believe that entertainment is going down that direction much more. I mean, look, it's three times the size of the movie industry already. Right? The the amount of attention and time that gets spent in games dwarfs it by just infinite like it's and it keeps going and it's going to keep going because it just is what it is it's more immersive now you're saying so as a as the technician and the and the composer for these for these games you you mentioned a couple things one you have to be able to program it in is the game do they are they require is it part of your job are they do you have to actually program it in to make
2: it make Uh, sense uh, uh, to them so it depends who you are. I couldn't do that. I've got no idea. I mean, there's a program called Wise, lots of people use. Um, yeah, you're yeah. that's using. most games use. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, so you tend to have an audio director um, at the different studios, and they would be the ones that would say, hey, who do we want to be a composer? But then they're also dealing with all the sound effects, the sound design, the voiceover, all of that. And then whether it's them or whether it's someone in that department is then also implementing all of that, putting all of those in. Yeah, if you think about it and gradually the scale of the game and the scope of it goes, I remember Paul Gorman at EA when we were doing Hardline and he showed me their Frostbite engine. And yeah, he's like zooming in so I can see like this one cue. And it's like there was a scene in was it Men in Black where at the end of it and it goes up and up and up into space and you end up with this tiny earth. is like this marble. So you've yeah. gone from I think it was Men in Black and it was like that because suddenly he's zooming out and out and out and out and out. And he's like, that's the game now let's go in do, 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 do. oh here's the one cue and it's just like you think about it there's so many people involved and suddenly a bit of graphics changes or a bit of music changes a bit of dialogue changes yeah, one slip-up yeah and the whole studio is fucked for a day but and he said you know, it happens occasionally when they'll suddenly upload the new master or whatever it is for the, you know, the latest version that they're working on and suddenly you know qc quality control guys haven't checked one bit or something's triggered something else the whole place has just got to sit there for a day while they revert back to the previous version. He says the most frustrating thing out. So, but yeah, yeah. So, so for me, no, I don't implement it, but it's be- dealing with the geniuses that do, you know, they show me, right, okay, and they say to me, well, look, what do you want? And I'm like, well, it'd be really good if we could crossfade this queue with this queue. So they're like, right, how long do you want it? Two bar crossfade. So suddenly you're going, so it d- doesn't mean that you turn right and you suddenly go into the next queue. It, it means after a transition, like yeah. loop, Transition from loop to loop, which is why you try and keep it in the same key for every scene in the game. So you can have it in a different key when you go off somewhere else. But for that one where you're writing three or four bits for you know that task in the game or whatever, it means that you're going from one queue to the next queue. And when you do a crossfade, it doesn't sound weird because the BPM is roughly the same and the keys the same is that is that too geeky does that make sense
1: no no um, we're, we, we're we're tracking so he also said something else too there's a limitation inside of the actual framework of the game of of memory so you have like you know you have an audio card which only has so much memory on it and you have a a graphics card which that holds memory and you have a you know like a disk drive that holds memory too but it's like the game is running off of something, and so it's got to be used yeah, so resources. Yeah, so the side sometimes.
2: game, you know, it might be whatever—twenty gigs, two hundred gigs—who knows, whatever. But you get pretty big. The, but then the patch updates, you know, them themselves are however many gigs. But then you're actually got to—you're you know, streaming it live, so you've got to load that music in to the computer at some stage. And, say, and I'm not an expert in this kind of stuff, but you look at it like that, and you kind of think, well, I know that a WAV of music is the WAV, wave, whatever you guys call it over here. But, you know, one minute going to be about 10 megs. So three minutes is going to be about 30 megs. So then you're going to compress that down anyway. But then if you're dealing with stems, then you maybe got six stems going for that. So suddenly it's six WAVs instead of one or, or whatever. But That's yeah, so the point is, it yeah. really starts, it starts building up, which is why your, your typical kind of combat sequences, they're about three minutes, three and a quarter minutes, something like that. So then you loop them up and in that three minutes, it's got to have enough interest in there that when you hear it again, you kind of, you know, you sit down, you work out, look, if you're really shit at this game, like Paul, he's crap, He can't even get up the stairs. I remember playing hardline and I was just like, this is really embarrassing, but how do I get up the stairs? Because the stupid thing doesn't work. (laughs) And so they said, well, look, if you're really crap, you're going to be in that scene for 15 minutes. So in 15 minutes, you've got a three minute loop, you've heard that trap five times. So that's Mm. going to be the most that anybody hears it.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting.
2: People will fly through it. But so in five five loops, you're going to start getting pretty bored of it, which is why we always see look at it as an achievement if people are still listening to your music after say three days of playing this game rather yeah. than right. I'll you know put on my own playlist and, and press mute Yeah, the in and the amount
1: of music. So you know, we we're talking, you worked on um on cyberpunk, cyberpunk. right? Martin and PT, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we talked to PT the other day. He was oh, saying
2: genius, he's so good.
1: Yeah, and he was like, "Man, there's there was ended up being seven hours of music that ended up in that game total." Know how long his beard
2: was by the end of it, (laughs) and he still looked (laughs) devastatingly handsome, the bastard. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so let's let's jump out of the
1: of the of the the of that area and think about like if somebody wants to get into composition and do that kind of stuff, how did they get started? like how did you so there's there's how you got what, started and then there's how you get started nowadays
2: yeah so before you get into specifics for what area
1: well i guess let's let's just talk about film which which you do more of film and tv right and are you doing more games now than you do film and
2: television or no i try and limit limit myself to a game a year um i mean mobile games are quicker but uh the, the bigger games i try and do one a year just because it's really time consuming um mm-hmm. but i love it because for me it's a real challenge it's not something that comes naturally um so i really like pushing myself and you know particularly on cyberpunk with pt and marchine i mean they were wonderful guys to work with and you know trying to find that sound getting three composers to have a kind of cohesiveness sound is a yeah. challenge which is great you know it's so much more exciting than just sitting in the game same old here's the usual sound ding it's like right we're going to go and create new sounds for it so it's cool uh, but it takes up a shitload of time um and i find Would you say
0: the majority of that time is spent because three composers are three different egos and each one of you guys were always right all the time no because i was always right. wrong i mean but to be
2: honest most of the time it's I find it frustrating because you can really get into it. Mm-hmm. But then you're kind of downing tools for three months waiting for the next lot of graphics to come in or whatever. Oh yeah. You have some, you have downtime, huh? Interesting. Yeah. And so then you, you know, you're off on your film or whatever and that's fine. But to try and get into kind of creative zone, when you're in the creative zone, you don't want to stop, you know, because then you found that sound and you don't know where it's coming from, but you're really into it. And if you suddenly down tools for kind of two or three months, then it's quite. It takes a while to sort of get back into. It often, so it's a kind yeah. of. Start. What's your
1: preferred um, DA? Like, what do you build? What do you like to to record on? I use Digital Performer.
0: Hmm. Okay.
2: You going? What's that? I I think I've heard of no. that. I've heard of that. Oh, I think that yeah.
0: was like one of the first ones, like from the late. Do you know, 80s, when we.
2: So, I, I learned it when I was at the Royal Scottish Academy of Music. And you realize it's like Google with all their frigging docs at my kids' schools now. It's like get your teeth into them at an early age and you just use it forever. Because that, for like Danny Elphin uses it, I use it, you know, various people use it. I think Michael Cicchino uses it. But I was doing a thing with UCLA, UCS, I think it was UCLA uh, last week, week before. And I was chatting away to a bunch of their students who were insanely talented. We will get back to your uh, conversation in a minute. Uh, they're insanely talented, but they own you. Know, they only use one door, and I'm like, look, if you want to work with other composers, whether it's me or whoever, you need to have. You don't need to know it inside out, but you've got to be able to use whether it's Cubase, whether it's Logic, whether it's this. Yeah, they all fundamentally do the same thing, so it's not yeah. that hard to you kind just of need know to know them.
1: your way around them. Yeah,
2: yeah, completely. And they're just oh, haven't thought of that. Um, so yeah, but so as far as like how you get into it, for film, I mean, for me, when I was starting out, as I say, it was just a case of I was just getting in touch with everybody just going like, oh, yeah, I, you know, I love writing music. And when people talk about film music, I mean, what is film music genuinely? It's like music that's attached to film now it's like anything goes it doesn't make any difference what genre it is it can be like electronic it can be orchestral it can fuse the two it. it can have no melodies it can have lots of melodies you know, it's wicked it's a brilliant time to be writing music yeah but the downside of it is it's sort of like people go oh i want to write film music that means nothing you know so what do you want to bring to a film I think you've got to phrase it a different way it's like well what can I bring to a project that other people can't genuinely because otherwise like if you're all trying to go and sound like Hands, or you're all going to go and try and sound like you know, Danny Elfman or whoever yeah you know, it's like what's the point because they can go and hire him so create your own sound and I know it's easier said than done but it's like you've got to have something unique about you to begin with that makes people want to use you so it's like you trying. you've got to try and develop your style at the same time as pestering five thousand people at art schools at colleges at local places you want to find people that are the same kind of starting out as you and that for me that director was a guy called david mckenzie um so i did all of his short films and then He's gone on. He was nominated for an Oscar a couple of years ago, not with a job that I did, but just I met him the other day. He's now in LA for I think a little while. We went and had coffee. I hadn't seen him for about like, ten years, and it was like, oh, "Dude, look at you!" And I was like, "Dude, look at you!" You know, it was, but it was really nice because it's not a case of competition. It's just a case of it's you gradually see people you know taking different paths, but the same paths and where they go. And in the end, you kind of yeah. go. Yeah, that's cool. So you've got, yeah, you've just, so there's a very long, boring way of saying you've got to go and find your people. You know, you've got to go you gotta and hustle it. Yeah, yeah you got to hustle your way
0: Yeah, it's all about that. Mm-hmm. But
2: at the same time, I'm shit at hustling because I hate it because I'm just kind of me. So I'm not very good at turning the tap off and kind of going like, oh yeah, you should use me because I'm fucking great. It's like, oh, come and have a drink. Come on, it'll all be good. So you, again, you know, you need to be able to, I guess, read the room a bit. I guess you know when you're starting out mm-hmm. to try and say, Hey, look, you know, I'll do this film for nothing, but you know, mm-hmm. or 200 bucks or whatever you've got, or can I get a violin on? It really is all about kind of pulling in mates and favors to begin with, which is horrid, but it's the way that it works. Because you're just trying to build up your reel the whole time when you're starting out, aren't you? you no, know, so mm-hmm. then That's I can true. go, hey, look, I've just done this game. Or and I've got a mate that got a game through is it the game jam stuff where they just yeah. go, mm-hmm. And he said it was absolutely brilliant. They just, He said, don't laugh. He said, but I met so many people through it. And suddenly he's got quite a big game through it. So there are different ways of doing it, but I think you've got to be prepared to not make any money for fucking ages because it's not about the money. If you're going into it for the money, you're into it for the wrong reasons. If you're getting into it because you love it, whether it's games or films or TV or theatre or whatever it is that you want to do, that's what it's all about. Because in the end, writing music is the best inverted commas job out. You know, it's not a job, it's a passion. So it's like, you do it because you love it. And the fact that someone then wants to use you, your ego is then out there going, yeah, I'm not shit, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So
1: where do you think the where do you think the most opportunity is gonna be? Do you think it's gonna be in film or games or? For me or for? Just for in general, like, where do you think the,
2: industry? where do you think I, things honestly... are going? I don't think film's going away. Yeah, you know, I know everybody goes, Oh, it's the death of cinema and the death of it. Everything has transformed and everything has evolved always. TV used to be the poor relation 10 years ago. Everyone be like, oh, now it's like, you're yeah, doing- super you're great, great longer. Yeah. yeah. And now it's like, yeah, I'm doing TV. Have you seen the stuff that Apple's doing that Netflix is doing, that Amazon's doing that? You know, so HBO is doing. It's something that we all want to be working on because again, you know, with whatever show it is, I just want to be watching good shit. And if you can then contribute to that good shit, that's even better because then you're watching it the whole time in the studio. So I don't think any of that's going away. There's just tons and tons of stuff out there. But similarly, you know, the game stuff. I think the problem with game studios is that if it takes four years to develop a game, five yeah. years to develop a game, it's a big risk for those studios I mean Dundee in Scotland um which is about an hour north of Glasgow um where I'm from in Glasgow and Dundee had was it, you know, they made oh shit which one was it I think it was, Grand, was it Grand, Grand Theft Auto something like that it was one of the Dundee studios and they basically went under it was rockstar or whatever they went under because they'd spent four years developing a game and then technology kept on going and going and going so quickly that by the time it got to four years time they were then having to port that over to the new yeah. xbox the new playstation so i mean it costs a fortune to do that so i i don't see it as far as those big huge games I just, you'll still get the same roughly amount, but I think it's the same as films. You're going to get an awful lot of the kind of smaller games that are then going to have the kind of in, you know, in-app you purchases and all that kind of stuff, which is kind of what the mobile games are anyway. I re- Mobile games to me are really frustrating because you don't get that much time to really get into it. It's just like pop-ups. But yeah. I don't know if a proper gamers go like, fuck off, you know, mobile gaming. But I genuinely think that all of those kind of things are where there's going to be an influx of it because there's You can't make that many huge games all at once.
1: Yeah, no, I think you're right there. I also think that humans are lazy and they want to turn off and they want to sit on the couch and relax. So there's always going to be an experience that'll just take you along the way, right? I don't think that, I think that that's already established that humans like that, right? We've Mm -hmm. gone away from books, which used to make you work to go off into those places. (laughs) (laughs) And now we're there. And then, like, the games are kind of like an in-between where it's a little more interactive. Your thumbs have to move. But
2: after, after a while, you can just sit back and watch the cutscenes on loop. So it's fun. And they're long.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Those cutscenes are very long. Like,
2: uh, no, they're I, not. They're like a minute and a half. Some are long. Some are long <laughs> to me. You know, I remember on Dawn of War, and um, Lynn, uh, one of the audio people, she had sent me, I think it was seven or eight cutscenes at the end. And it was just so... Yeah, it's like doing a film. Yeah, so it's yeah. super simple. Like from a point of view of, yeah, you've got your sound, you got this, you're scoring it. Right, And it's just like God, you've done these really quickly. I was like, because that's yeah, these are simple. Yeah. I, go, I don't mean simple like as far as you can just knock them up. But it's like you know, you know what you're doing, and it's fine. You do, you're not. There's not that kind of experimental stage which there is on the loop. So you know, you'll be spending weeks trying to create all these loops for the three minute tracks but then when it comes to actually scoring a scene it's like oh I know what I'm doing here this is fine yeah but mm-hmm. it as a teacher, because one of the things that I really like at the moment is all the live concerts going on so yeah. you've got live concerts whether it's with games or you've got the live concerts whether it's with films and the film concerts have been around for ages but the whole kind of live concerts with the games and I think in Warsaw there's there's one just every year they do it there's like about 80,000 people that go to these gigs and you're just like it's brilliant. It is like a proper pop concert, isn't it? Mm-hmm,
1: it is not it its and it's like, A, you don't catch COVID, B, <laughs> you know, it's, it's on rail.
0: It's like- room. But,
2: it's So a, what you're saying is you're gonna go and watch the concerts in meta, in the metaverse with your Oculus glasses that Facebook is sending you. You're not I, gonna leave your room. You're gonna go and attend one of these gigs with 79,999 other fake people
1: that's what they that's what they want us to do that's what they want us to do
2: i i don't think they're gonna you're gonna be 35 stone not leaving your chair (laughs) that would a great concert right what's next
0: (laughs) it's it's perfect though for the deadhead who's still around and they can't go from show to show in their (laughs) van now they go to their one in their city and they tap in do their moves in their living room well the things that i think will
1: be cool is like hybrid experiences right where you where you can like let's say let's say somebody's playing in another part of the world you weren't going to get tickets for that you weren't going to travel there but you could tune in you could be there you could three-dimensionally see something you could go on stage you could stand next to the uh, the singer and look out onto the stage there's a lot of Interesting things that can be done in that virtual yeah, escapes.
0: You just won't get the
1: subs. You won't get those subwoofers like collapsing your lungs like you would just at like a, energy you know. in
2: general. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah I, I
2: wonder how they do that though because when you watch well for me soccer games for you guys football whatever, but it's like you watch the games and then you realize when you're watching it on TV that without the piped in sound. It's really just a bit shit watching it on tv you know so when they have technical difficulties you're at like, oh yeah there's no sound or during covid when there was no one at the games yeah so they piped in Pipe- sounds do you remember that they were piping yeah. in sounds that was the strangest
1: thing i was like wait i'm like i wonder if the players were like you guys gotta <laughs> play sounds we're like we Actually, don't know how it. to play without it
2: did they do it at
0: the stadiums i yeah. don't know.
1: Yeah, they were they doing did it for NFL, yeah.
0: they were pumping it in loud. It was crazy. So just
2: so the players would get psyched up. Yeah,
1: yeah, like I mean, think about it. Like you played every single game you've ever played in front of people. It's always in front of people, right? Yeah. And suddenly
2: and playing in a park. It's like suddenly right suddenly yeah.
1: you're going back well, to the park games, which, yeah, sure, but you're not gonna get well, that like, professional that, it's, level. It's
0: practice. It's practice, is when there's no people there. You play at a different level of intensity of. All right, A squad versus the B squad, guys. Here you go. No, yeah, they said, it's different. Thought they said that They said that it was the highest scoring season,
2: in the Premiership, since records began, I think. And they said it's got to be because the defense was just kind of, it was more like a sun. we call it Sunday league, but just you know, people playing for a bit of a laugh on a Sunday rather than, hey, you're getting a billion quid for this. You know, get on with it.
1: Well, yeah. Um, we, if you think about it from the other side, from the striker side, though, they've got way less... People are watching, you know? <laughs> and like, you know, About the people me, that like, choke. <laughs> yeah, the people mm-hmm. that choke in front of big crowds were not doing that anymore. They're not choking now.
2: Now they're making it. Well, oh, that's true. Yeah, because it's the But <laughs> well, so, all right, so you put that come full circle to gaming. So there was a director, film director, Pete Cormore, his name was, and I had my studio in Santa Monica I just moved over here and I was renting a place out it was a bit of a shit heat and it was just when I was about to start doing um hardline and I was like no I don't really know that much about gaming I played the one here and there but you know I don't play the whole time because if I had a PlayStation in my studio I would get no work done like genuinely I'm one of those people that as soon as I pick it up I would just keep going and going and going and going and going addictive like that so he brought in his lot and I attached it up to my surround sound system in the studio. So it was a wind. We were playing Call of Duty. I was shit. Uh, but it was brilliant because we were sat there. He was in heaven because he had this entire sound system blasting it out. Whereas, you know, he's used to being in his you know, flat in his, uh, his apartment. And for me, what I got out of it was seeing someone that actually knew what they were doing, seeing how they would kind of go through it. See, you know, I was kind of an observer. I would play a bit here and there. Um, but it was quite interesting for me and you going back to that whole, if you're in an audience or if you're in a stadium and it's the immersiveness of it, I wonder, you know, how is film going to adapt to that? So games are adapting to that and you have input into that and that's all cool. But as far as film goes, you've seen the very basic interactive things that Netflix have got like, do you ever watch Bear Grylls? You'd have no idea who Bear Grylls
0: is. Bear Grylls is like an SAS guy. The only that's one like I've the, seen on Netflix new Steve was Irwin, the kind of
2: yeah, kind of, but not with animals. He drinks his own piss quite a lot because he's like, Now imagine, oh, you yeah, the guy,
1: that's the guy with the that's the dude with the with the like knife line and like, like he's a total yeah, yeah, I know. Him.
2: Mm-hmm. So, he's, so but my kids are really into him because they're just like, Well, it's brilliant because you can do interactive stuff. So, it's all, what do you mean? Because yeah, I can never get out of here. So, they go, Well, look, press the red button. So, do you want him to die? Do you want him to do this? Do you want him to jump? Do you want him to parachute? Do you want him to do this? And it's quite, I mean, it's very basic, but it's still quite cool because it's like the old role-playing games, of like books we are going, if you want to turn left, turn to page 47. If you want to turn right, turn mm, to-
0: I love those.
2: Right. Choose your own adventure. Yeah, yeah I so, love this. you know how much those books go for now? No. <laughs> it's, it's really sad because I was looking the other day and Going, well, I remember the brown cover on it and it wasn't Dungeons and Dragons. It was something else. I went on to it something like two and a half thousand dollars for the series of eight now, because they're not, they're not digital. They haven't repressed them. So they're just, it's like, I don't give a shit what condition they are. I just want to play them. It's cool. Yeah.
1: But yeah so, is the, well, so it's the version of that. Where I like- think that film's going to be hard, right? I have a, um, my brother's a storyboard artist in, in LA too. And, and they talk, you know, we talked about it a few times. It's like, it's hard to build a narrative that's not on rails in that way plus there's so many other scenes that you would have to film exactly and the budget budgets just aren't big enough for what they're doing and so until you take i think the the turning point for for film is going to be when when they can take the ai when ai can stretch out the film in a way that the it looks like the real actor and it basically is the real actor I mean, you've all been on. You've seen I mean, online the, that but yeah. the Tom, the Tom Hanks guy. I mean, uh, not Tom. The Tom Cruise dude. That like, Tom you know, you know what I'm
0: saying? <laughs> really, you
1: Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise for Tom Hanks. Tom, Tom, <laughs> whatever. So, in that world, you that world, you could get you could get stunt doubles, you could get body doubles to do the extra scenes, you could do a bunch of stuff when you start to. Computerized,
2: didn't they? Was it in Star Wars? They did that,
1: they did that with Hamill, yeah, to on the TV show, too, to make him younger, Uh, right? No, they did it with
2: uh, and they still needed to superimpose him on some of the stuff,
1: yeah. Well, there was the, the um, what's her name, uh, Princess Lair, what's her real name, um,
0: Carrie Fisher.
1: Carrie Fisher, she passed away, so they had to finish out some of the scenes and they had to do, you know, so there's, they've been doing it to your point. That's how they'll do it. They're going to have to, ex- it, it's, in order to make it interactive, they have to use employee AI and make things go farther than they could have done on set.
2: But then how could it be interactive? That's the thing though, it's like games, it makes sense because you're there with your- you have a controller.
0: Yeah. But if you are watching a film, What's the they inter- tried to do it with that that creepy the, the ass show it's the black black, black mirror try
1: no black, black mirror tried to do it and it was yeah. it wasn't I very good black that netflix. was netflix Great. um it wasn't they very good
0: choose it, your next scene do you want him to go here and you use the oh, remote Okay, so is that it? kind of thing then yeah
1: yeah they tried but it, it. early it stage. wasn't good though it wasn't any good and so they never did it again i, I but, love
2: it they spent billions on this it's like yeah, well, I mean, he said it was a bit shit. So if we're just going to can it now. <laughs> <laughs> it was bad. Nobody liked it. But, you know, good
1: on them for trying it. Like, that's what Netflix is. They seem to be uh, at least thinking down that direction. And because they're an app and they have interactivity, they can build stuff like that. in. so that's interesting. I'm sure they're figuring it out because, you know, if like what did Reed Hastings say? So like our biggest competitor to Netflix is sleep, right? but after that <laughs> after that the biggest competitor to netflix and other 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 streaming platforms is gaming really at this point yeah. you know from attention
2: well it's, it's things to spend your time on and this was quite interesting i did a show called tales from the loop uh which was an amazon series and i scored mm-hmm. class and oh, i mean i could have scored that show forever it was beautiful it was based on um the artwork of simon stalin hack and so mm. it's a sci-fi kind of thing and um it was just gorgeous. And they had these fantastic directors like Mark Romanek, Joni Foster, Andrew Stanton, who had done Wally. It was just, It was just freaking brilliant. But the point is, it was supposed to come out, or it did come out, April 2020. So they had, like, great big launch, ready to go, and it was the week that COVID hit. So mm-hmm. then, well, OK. Real. And what was really weird was that someone took a picture of Tales from the Loop on Times Square, on this massive billboard going up. There. Zero people. No people. And the whole thing of Tales from the Loop is that it's a kind of post, it's not post-apocalyptic, but it's this very yeah. weird, weird vibe with no one around and robots and all this kind of stuff. And it was just like that. You, you couldn't have almost paid for publicity like that in the sense that here's a weird billboard with no one around I And you might as well have been doing 28 Days Later or something, you know, it was so strange. But then the issue they had was how do you get people to hear about your show when it's all everybody's doing is you're just online no one's watching billboards anymore because no one's out seeing billboards so how you actually then go and market a show and how you market it differently from everybody else because after a while it reached saturation points like there were so many new new shows out because well we got whether it's a film or a series or whatever we're just going to put it on streaming so it was really freaking hard to what's that phrase you get yourself heard above the noise or whatever it's mm-hmm. just very hard i think for any of the streamers after a while to kind of go we've got something unique here yeah yeah sure I'll just put it in the queue i'll watch it in 20 weeks time when i've watched everything it's else con- it's been-
1: becoming like that but now you have because you know netflix had this they were, they were the ones in front of content creation being they, you know, they they just were just pumping out stuff. And then I saw the quality of this, of the writing kind of go down. They would spend their money on the actor and like just execution from a storyline wouldn't be so great. But then HBO starts really pumping out great shows. You've got Apple pumping out great shows. You've got everybody putting, you know, like even
2: Amazon's got some solid shows. And those, Even Amazon, you see, Amazon is the weird one because you never think, I don't think, I never think of going to them first to watch, watch them. It's either an Apple TV or I'm pressing the Netflix button on my remote, but That's... I'm never necessarily thinking about pressing Amazon. But when you go into Amazon, they've got some yeah. amazing stuff mm-hmm.
1: on. Cool shit, like Hannah was a great show, you know, like, and they mm-hmm. have a, they have- I go there to buy soap and toothpaste. <laughs> <laughs> and, and but, that, but, but they have like music prime? too if you've got prime you also yeah. have amazon music and who goes there it's already there oh. you have that service you pay for it you just don't use it
2: yeah but then you kind of, is it because it's free so then you kind of think well I, you know, what have they got it's a
1: little limited to be honest it's a slightly limited catalog it's not everything that spotify has but spotify's already got you and their algorithm sites Sure. So they got you right there if you've been spending your time there. Uh, You know, I've never really done. I've had Apple Music on my phone for free when I get my phones. They always give you the three. I've never used it, right? Me neither. Because it's nice, but it's just not Spotify.
2: And it is what it is. You're invested in the one that you're paying for. So with Amazon, again, and it's not poo-pooing the Amazon TV at all because the stuff they do is fucking brilliant. But it's still not my first thought, I think, because well, I know I pay for Netflix, I know I pay for HBO, I pay for Paramount with the soccer or yeah whatever. I, in my head, I know what I'm paying for. Sure. I just I keep forgetting about Amazon TV. I, d- I don't know why. <laughs> it's <laughs> the it, it, yeah, so things I'm sorry. <laughs> it's the
1: bundle thing. So you're, you're right. People value what they what they perceive they've paid for. Right. It just is what it is. And,
0: um, you well, know, get a freemium.
2: I think they called it.
0: But little do you well, know, you pay 129 bucks a year for Amazon. So you break right. that down. You're actually paying more for Amazon monthly than you are for any other streaming service that you pay have
1: $11 a month for one of their services. <laughs> it's a bargain when you really break it down it is dude
2: <laughs> we have our own personal delivery driver we get so yeah. much stuff delivered here
0: just this like, episode brought to you I'm
1: by amazon <laughs> yeah and we do not monetize but no it's uh yeah, we do well <laughs> paul, paul I, I, we could we could keep going forever um what, what do you want? is there yeah, anything you can
2: cozy, yeah. <laughs> is
1: there anything you can tell us that you're that's coming out that you're working on now that's that's not top
2: secret What's next? What am I working on? working on a film with Errol Morris. So that's really good fun. We've got a new, I was doing a thing with Philip Glass called The Green Veil. That's premiering at Tribeca in
0: four weeks time. Nice. Say,
2: something like that. Um, and there's a film which I can't talk about yet, uh, which is super exciting. So yeah, I just, just is well, the kind to... of not getting out of the studio much at the moment, but yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: that's cool. Sounds fun though. Can't wait to hear them. Very cool. Um, do well, you, thank you thank
0: have
1: you uh yeah of course man um what uh where can people find more of what you do do you have a spotify page just set up for all your, all so your pieces sick, probably
2: i don't know google it <laughs> i've got a website which was probably updated in about 1953 no you've got instagram i'm quite active on twitter i'm pretty active on for now we'll see uh but twitter i'm pretty active on instagram
1: tell Elon on takes over you, know,
2: you might change yeah, I, I haven't, I haven't got into TikTok because it's one thing to, yeah, I think I'm past it. So it's all good. But yeah, go find me on Instagram or go find me on Twitter. Come say hi. Cool. We'll put it in the show
1: notes. We'll, awesome. we'll put those there for everybody. Paul, it's been great.
0: Great nice. chatting with you, Paul. All right, man. We'll have you back again soon. Right, so guys, we'll give me a year. I'll have more chat by then. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Take care, man. See ya.